Historically, one of the very most prominent Unitarian theologians, especially in the 19th century, was a man named William Ellery Channing. Our response of reading this morning was from Channing. Um, it came from a sermon that he did in 1930, an 1830, called Spiritual Freedom. Channing did a lot to pave the way from orthodoxy to a new way of thinking. He was the first to suggest that the transcendentalists actually organize into a club. And while they were not uncritical of Channing, when he fell ill, Emerson said that was all it took to recognize that he's actually their bishop (laughs) and that they weren't through with him yet. But Channing, as we see, as we learn in our new, no, in our newcomer information session, we show a video in there that talks about Channing's idea of salvation by character. And there's a joke, and I'm sure that most of you have heard it before, and it's kind of funny and it's kind of not that the Unitarians were the ones that thought humans were too good for God to condemn, and the Universalists were the ones that thought God was too good to condemn anybody. It was Thomas Starr King, I think, that said that. He's the one after whom one of our seminaries is named, but or at least he's credited with it. Um, But it was Channing's position that people had the moral capacity to become perpetually more godlike. That that's what Jesus' life was about, not trying to reconcile some depraved humankind to a, a, a tyrant of a god that was cruel and punishing and um, and so that was where Unitarian Unitarianism in America first began to break away from the Orthodox churches which then became con- uh, Congregational or United Church of Christ today um, we have a United Church of Christ minister here this morning um, And by all accounts, Channing himself lived an exemplary life. Now, when we look back at historical figures, we have a tendency to discover things about them we didn't know. And, I mean, you know, the jokes about George Washington being the father of the country and uh, that maybe he really was. And maybe if Channing were around today, the transparency of 
with the media that probes into everyone's life, as big a figure as he was on the historical scene, he's, he was human. So surely there were errors in his life. Nevertheless, in all the circles that he traveled, he was very respected for his piety, for his commitment to championing human rights. And it was that capacity for us to keep getting better and better and better that Channing saw as proof of our worthiness. In Plato's Republic, there's the tale of the ring of Gyges. The ring has the power to make people invisible. There's a character named Glaucon, Glaucon, who posits that no human, well, no man, because they didn't really consider women in their musings, but no man had the capacity to resist the temptation of the ring to do things that they would do, they would not do if they were going to get caught. Socrates, on the other hand, explained a man who's, who would abuse the ring of Gyges was actually morally bankrupt. having suffered irreparable failings of character, while a man who chose willingly not to use the powers would at least be at peace with himself. I'd like to suggest that it's possible that spiritual maturity is doing the right thing even when no one's looking. Not for fear of retribution, but because doing things otherwise is violence to the well-being of others. I want to read a little experiment here. In Newcastle University's psychology department, there was a communal coffee provision to which people were supposed to contribute a certain amount for the coffee and tea they took. Unfortunately, it seemed that people were not doing so. Like tax dodgers, they took the chance to freeload. 
So some members of the department put up a new price list each week. Prices didn't change, but each week there was a small photocopied picture at the top of the list of either flowers or of the eyes of a real face. The faces varied, but the eyes always looked directly at the observer. In weeks with eyes on the list, staff paid two and three-quarter times as much for their drinks as the weeks with flowers. The researchers say they were staggered by the size of the effect. It seems that even a small stimulus towards imagining that we're being watched is enough to deter us from carelessness or cheating. The people who paid up were not given any reason to suppose they were being watched. But the mere thought of it, conscious or unconscious, seems to have done the job. And it goes on to to say, perhaps this helps evolutionary accounts of why religions persist and raises the question, do we need God? Or do our children or our society? We are, of course, shaped by our culture. If some of us choose not to give our children a sense of someone always watching over them, then how do they learn to self-regulate when not within the sight of others? I'm not saying that they won't. It's, I'm just, it's a hypothetical question, rhetorical. Cultures determine a lot about what we think right and wrong. I mean, there are things in our country that are commonplace and totally acceptable that would be utterly abhorrent in other parts of the world. Or maybe even in some subcultures here in the United States. And there are things that are done other places in other cultures that we would find completely unacceptable and as a society would not condone. So what is it that determines character? What is it that decides what is good? What things would we put on a list of attributes that we think exemplify good character?
In this day and age, there has developed, I think, a flagrant disregard for real honesty. Being adept at presenting information in the most misleading manner possible is a highly lucrative career. Politically, advertising, I mean, uh, legally, in all sorts of sales. There are, too, apparently those who, no matter what their public faces say, privately believe that only fools do the right thing. I'm sorry, I can't agree with that. If we humans are not actively taught through reward and punishment or following the examples of those that we esteem or those in whose care we are entrusted at our most impressionable points and vulnerable points, do you believe that we would have moral character? Would we be benevolent, compassionate, diligent, generous, just, loyal, patient, truthful, tolerant, responsible, punctual, courageous? If somehow we hadn't been taught that's a good thing, would we still have that internal impulse that would cause us to feel good about doing good. If not, then how does one justify our position of affirming the inherent worth and dignity of every person? By virtue of our heritage, if we are Unitarian Universalists, are we not to be the ones most committed to exemplary character? We believe that it is possible for us to improve perpetually throughout our lives and that we can learn from our mistakes and successes and this quest that we're on together requires that we not allow ourselves the luxury of resignation into, it's into thinking it's just too hard to keep trying or to settle for less than the best that we can be. We don't have to be more than that. Our best. Though that might change. 
we endeavor to stand in sharp contrast to the darker side of our human natures. And that's a tall order. I can look back over my lifetime and think of things that I did as a child, an impressionable kid, Let me share one kind of quickly. I, got, I, I don't want this podcast, <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't say. So maybe, uh, well, anyway. Okay. I could step away. Uh, when I was in elementary school, uh, my family belonged to a club uh, that I would go every summer to swim at. I'd ride my bike down there and hang out all day and swim and talk and swim and talk and eat and swim and talk and eat and swim and talk. And there was a little boy, I say little because I was little, a boy, that over and over and over again would come with shopping, brown paper shopping bags full of stuff that he had just shoplifted. Albums and and televisions. I mean, those weren't in the bag, but he actually... I mean, I don't know what his life at home was like. I have no idea. I do remember his name. And I've wondered about him a lot. But day after day after day, he would come and have just hordes of stuff that he had acquired by simply walking into a store, picking it up, and walking out. One day, we walked across the street from the swim club to a shopping center, and there was a drugstore there, and I didn't have any money. And I saw some penny candy. And I picked up a piece of penny candy, and I stuck it in my pocket and walked out the store. And the woman from the cash register came chasing after me and said, Hey! (laughs) And I threw it behind a bag of feed that was in front of the grocery store. And I never did it again. But somebody was watching me. There were influences that had an impact on me. There are times that I've stretched the truth and and what people have um, surmised from that has grown and had a life of its own. Without lying, but not being totally disclosing. Yeah, good friend of mine, (laughs) Satan. she She just said she knows Satan. But I don't judge him. (laughs) Clearly, we never achieve perfection. Though I must say, I think I've improved a lot. Haven't you? 
Hmm? We just don't stop trying. And we don't follow suit with those who have. We don't let the standard that's outside of us that calls for a compromise of the truth to be what tells us how to live. Because we believe, as James Luther Adams' fifth smooth stone of liberal religion states, optimism optimism is justified. Because we believe that humankind can evolve into a more noble species, it is our place to help it in every way we can. We have hope because we see ourselves get better. We have hope because our children and the generations that we see coming after us have wisdom beyond their years. And we don't believe God holds us accountable for temporal things on an infinite scale. That's Unitarian Universalism. If we get knocked down, we pick ourselves up, we dust ourselves off, and we start all over with the first right step we can take. Heading toward that beloved community that we are endeavoring ultimately to create together. Let the river run. Let the dreamers wake the nation. The hope of life's perfection.